shaping the culture. We talk both culture and theology. Hey, folks, is reading that Bible. We don't claim to have all the answers. Well, I don't know how to word this, but that doesn't stop us from having honest conversation. <laughs> Yo, what is up, everybody? Happy Valentine's Day, or as I like to say it, <laughs> Happy Single Awareness Day. Yes. And uh, because it is a special day today, we will be talking about something special. We're going to be talking about love and dating and singleness and all that good stuff. And uh, we got a guest on here that I I greatly appreciate. He's not a stranger. He's been on an episode, a a very, I think one of the first or second, just very early on is when he uh, made an appearance on here, but we have to bring him back for this as well. And I'm excited to hear his uh, perspective on all of this. And and I really believe um, it will be uh, biblically grounded and Christ-centered, and, and I think we need that in the day and age we live in. There's a lot of different uh, views and perspectives going around, uh, but I think we should get back to what the Bible has to say about this topic, and I'm especially excited about talking about singleness today. We'll get into dating a little bit, but just seeing the beauty of singleness. Singleness is not a curse, y'all. It's a blessing. Uh, you know, it's not, I know everybody dreads it, and especially days like this, it's like, man, look at all the pictures on Instagram and seeing all the different tweets. You can't help but feel left out or wonder when is your turn. Uh, but we don't have to feel that way. Uh, we can we could, uh, we could be excited about the season we're in. And so I'm excited to dive into why we could be excited. Listen, two, three years ago, I went to a conference Pastor Neb was teaching at, and uh, he said something that to this day messes with me. To this day, he said, listen, fellas, this is for y'all. He said, a man is not ready to pursue a woman until he's ready to be rejected by one. So if you don't want to be rejected, if you fear rejection, pursuit is not your thing, right? You should be chilling out on that. And so I know that that personally convicted me and challenged me. And uh, yeah, so that, that's just like a glimpse into the kind of uh, wisdom that our guest is going to have with us. We got no other, none other than Pastor Neb with us. Pastor Neb, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Doing good. Uh, it's good. It's good to be on the program, and uh, <laughs> just great to be here. So excited to have you on this. Uh, I know. I, I think I just shared this with you over the phone, but seeing that little post you made um, of the the sermon series you're going to be in this month uh, got me really uh, jealous. I wish <laughs> we were sitting in on uh, these sermons on singleness and dating and marriage that you're going through with uh, your community. How's that been going so far? <laughs> Man, it's been uh, it's been going great. Um, you know, we have a large number of uh, singles and uh, those who have a desire and, and uh, a wish and, and a prayer to want to move forward and, and get mm. married. We have a good number in just 2018 alone who've gotten married and wow. beginning to see babies uh, born and just that whole new stage. And so there's that demographic is sort of changing here where we're at in Dallas with Pathway. Yeah. Uh, so it's exciting times. It's exciting times. A lot of people have had questions about whether it has to do with singleness, uh, dating, relationships, sex, marriage. Yeah. Um, and and so um, I thought, you know, what better time than the month of February to kind of uh, go after all of it uh, yeah. together as, as, as a church. And uh, a lot of people have been helped and expressed wow. just their appreciation uh, for just us taking this 
head on and walking together, praying together, and looking at God's Word together yeah. uh, as it relates to this big, big topic. I, I don't think you could talk about it enough, yeah. uh, but we've devoted the month of February uh, to be able to, to go after it. Yeah, that's so good. I'm so glad that you're addressing it, especially from the pulpit, because... Um, you know, growing up, Abisha, and growing up um, in our context, this is this is a hush-hush conversation. You know, this is not something to be discussed, and we're just kind of left to our own to figure things out, and it's kind of left us in a bit of a mess at times. And so, I'm, I'm excited to see the Abisha community finally starting to talk about this, and and so I'm I'm thankful that you're doing. And like you said, I mean, we can't talk about it enough. And so and and that's the same with this episode. I know there's a lot of things that probably won't be able to be said or things that'll be left out. But as we say every episode, it's just to get the conversation going. And uh, if anybody wants, they could reach out to Pastor Neb after and ask any questions. Is that okay? I just kind of put you out there. <laughs> is that yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, that is that is that is okay. For sure. Sounds good. Well, let, let's get into it then. Um, my first question is Valentine's Day. And um, it, there's a lot of single people that feel discouraged, uh, that feel uh, alone, uh, that feel like, um, I don't know, that God has kind of forgotten about them. Uh, how would you encourage single people today in this moment? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting times. I think that's that's important. I mean, we're the single people um, that you and I largely, maybe not entirely, work with, are in relationship with, um, and are serving, are this millennial generation. Yeah. And the millennial generation is is growing, and is by far a very large segment of our population. I mean, we've moved from silent generation on to the baby boomers and then Gen X and now here we are with millennials. Yeah. Um, it, it is, It is. I mean, Pew Research um, along with GetBook and Statista have come out in both 2017 and 2018 with figures um, hmm. stating that 64% of Americans are single. Wow. Uh, 69. 64% uh, of American millennials are single and I'm talking between the ages of 18 and 29 and Wow. My congregation lands between that that gap as an average. Yeah. And we're talking about singles, not in a committed relationships. And so not only are millennials in our day and age, even outside of the church, delaying their vows, they're also less likely to be in committed, serious, sheriff-ridge relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the single cohort is, is growing. It's growing by far. Uh, we got record-level student debt. We have a lot of university and college students in our midst as well. Yeah. Um, and so we, we see that on the rise, and, and therefore there are more uh, singles. Uh, more than half the adults in America are single. Mm. I mean, we've got to come to grips with this as pastors mm. of churches. In, in 27 states alone, singles make up more than half the population. Wow. And a lot of times, a lot of times our ministry departments, our programs, our cliches, our pitches, our sayings, our statements are really said and geared toward, uh, you know, we're the family-oriented church, right? Come, uh, mm-hmm. where we have programs for you. Well, we're not speaking to our immediate context, and so we need to kind of wake up to the times, 
Yeah. And we need to be aware of who we have, uh, not just in the larger, wider culture, but especially within the culture of the church, so mm-hmm. that we could better serve them and uh, and make sure that they feel like they're recognized and acknowledged. In fact, that would probably be the way I would first start out by answering your your question. Mm. And 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 that is that when it when it comes to uh, singles, our marital status is not indicative of our identity. Come on, man. Uh, the only satisfaction in this life is found in growth that focuses on Christ alone as uh, its reward. Marriage isn't the ultimate prize. Yeah. Uh, Jesus is. Jesus is the ultimate prize. That's so good. Um, yeah. And God's plan for the world is not to make single people married. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was to reconcile the people and bring glory to himself. Wow. And I think a lot of times we make marriage the end-all, be-all, the mm. ultimate thing. Mm. And so let's say, for example, if you have a single person who reaches middle age in the church who hasn't been married by that time, uh, they're seen as, you know, you must be socially awkward. Yeah, yeah. So I, I would say the thing we would need to do is create a, a church culture that values singles. Wow, wow, wow. That's so good. Why, like, why do you think we've we've kind of cultivated that culture within the church where it's almost a curse to be single, or it's not valued, or it's purposeless to be single? Where, where do you think that comes from? <clears throat> well, I, well, um, it comes from a good place, I'm sure, in many cases. So we we kind of have to we kind of have to make sure we're teasing out separating two things okay. there. There, there is a place to have a conversation to encourage and challenge singles to pursue marriage. Yeah. So that conversation needs to be had. Yeah. But at the same time that that point is being emphasized, another point needs to be equally emphasized. And, that, that, and that's this. There is a place for singleness in the church, yeah. in the world. Yeah. And God equally affirms singleness just as, he, as much as he affirms marriage. Yeah. And so the Bible seems to not have any problem uh, emphasizing both points. Pursue marriage and at the same time be content with your singleness. For in seven Paul says it's a gift. Yeah. One has one kind of gift, the other has another. In fact it goes on in the next verse, verse eight, to say that I wish that everyone were, were like as I am. Yeah. And what he means by that is single. And so clearly Paul doesn't skip as you know, I've got the gift of singleness. Like the Grim Reaper came knocking on your door, you opened <laughs> it, you're like, ah, you know, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> no, he 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 sees singleness as as a gift, as a worthwhile season, mm. whether that's short term or long term or indefinite mm. uh, for someone's life. And I think I think one of the reasons why it's been seen as a curse and it's been looked down upon has to do with something perhaps that started out good. Uh, because let's let's face it, when we go back. All throughout the scriptures, marriage is esteemed. Yeah. Family is esteemed. Yeah. We see that. That that was pretty much the vehicle by which this world was populated. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. You're not going to be able to do that, fulfill the creation mandate, unless you get married. Yeah. Right? So, 
so the bread and butter information has always been marriage, even though there have always been singles. Yeah. Right? So the accent has always been on marriage and family. That's how we're going to populate uh, this world. That's how God's glory was going to um, fill the earth like the waters cover the sea. Mm. Um, he said to, uh, concerning Adam, it's not good. Uh, Genesis 2.18, that the man should be alone. I will provide him a helpmeet that's suitable for him. So, again, God says it's not good. Up till then, he says it's good, it's good, it's good, it's good. He sees Adam alone, and he says it's not good. Yeah. Um, Hebrews 13.4 points out that marriage is supposed to be honored by all, among mm. all. Both mm. married people and single people are to honor it, all people. No matter what your marital status is, yeah. marriage should always be something held in high regard, yeah. high esteem. But I think what happens is um, if we take certain aspects of scripture at the cost of everything else that the Bible has to say, yeah. we run the risk of having a warped and a skewed theology as it relates to singleness. Yeah. And so we don't any longer have any space or place in our minds or in our culture or in our world for singles. Mm. And so mm. I think that's where we need to revisit this conversation and ask the question, maybe we went a little bit too far in emphasizing marriage, Definitely. right? And so, and so we need to be rightly dividing the word of truth, right? Yeah. And so make sure that whatever God is saying here on this side of his Bible, it can't in any way take away from what he's saying over here as it touches this matter. And I think the second thing, and then I'll end it right there, mm -hmm. would have to do with our culture and some of the shifts that have taken place in just society at large. When you when you look at, for example, uh, up to about the 1950s, marriage um, was high in terms of the likelihood that people would get married yeah. was, was very high. Yeah. Uh, in fact, even at the turn of the century, 92% of brides were virgins by mm. 1960s only 43 percent would have been uh, categorized or would have stated if asked that they were virgins by the 1980s that was 14 percent wow. okay so wow. we see a shift uh, wow. taking place um, look at the 1960s with the rise of uh, feminism with yeah. the rise of the sexual revolution with the rise of uh, modern day forms of birth control mm -hmm. uh, in forms that we've never known throughout human civilization. Yeah. You put all of that together, right? Uh, when you are able to prevent people, uh, enable to empower people to not have to have a child as the byproduct um, of having sex. Yeah. And then you have a, a culture that is conducive to all out sex in every form as an expression of your identity. Yeah. Along with that, by the 1970s, we see in legislation Roe v. Wade, mm. which allows the legalization of abortion. Yeah. So you're, you're seeing a whole cultural shift that yeah. takes place. Yeah. That And then also you have the divorce is beginning to peak in ways that it didn't in the 1920s and 30s and 40s. So there's a, a suspicion of marriage itself, traditional yeah. marriage that is. And yeah. people are beginning to think maybe that's not the answer. So just couple all of that together, yeah. and you can see now, maybe there's, maybe we need to go in another direction. Maybe that's not the answer, mm. right? And so, and so that entire generation 
that came out of all of that really was suspicious of um, these sort of things. Along with that, you had people who were who felt the effects of the sexual revolution. They got saved through the Jesus movement. Yeah. They got saved through the hippie movement. Yeah. And here they are thinking, you know, the answer instead of the gospel is marriage, traditional marriage. Mm. And so a lot of times they see we haven't done a good job with our singleness. Yeah. Right? Yeah. There's been, I mean, there's been a rise in children. I mean, right now, there's 47% of births to women in the millennial generation are outside of wedlock, wow. outside of marriages. So wow. 40% of the births that take place now, yeah. these children are going home without a father, are going to bed without a father. Right? Mm. So there's this daddy deprivation. Um, you, you got all of these together, so there's a lot of different factors that are contributing to man. Is I, I mean, it, can we have a a robust single population? Yeah. Right. That honors yeah. the values that the Bible seems to set forth. Yeah. And yeah. so the automatic solution in a lot of these people's cases is is marriage. And we could we could talk a little bit more about that, how that could be part of. The solution but not necessary but it depends on what we mean by that definitely no that's so good i i love how you broke that down and i think like studying um where our culture has come from especially since the the 1950s and onward is very crucial in understanding where we are today <clears throat> as a culture and as a society <clears throat> let me let me ask you this um there, there's a lot of different factors as to, as you kind of mentioned, um, as to why we are where we at, where we are at right now. Um, clarify for us um, the the biblical purpose of being single. Um, I don't, I don't know if you remember this. I mean, we had you out for glory, uh, you know, ever since it started actually. But the the year we did the purpose and dignity of dating single or uh, singleness, dating and marriage. You, you hit on a, a passage in, in uh, 1 Corinthians 7, the, the passage you brought up earlier, and you broke down the context as to why Paul was calling people to remain single. And it was, it was, it was so eye-opening to see that it was the day and age they were living in. I mean, like Christians were being persecuted, and they didn't know how long uh, they would be living. And so there was just this call to be single because of that. Um, but something you said though, that I'll never forget was, um, the call to, to singleness wasn't a selfish one. It was one that would result in honoring God and living a life devoted to God. And that was why the, 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 the season of singleness was considered to be a gift to Paul. Um, can you go into why, uh, God has, um, um, uniquely, like for those who are single, uh, just kind of like the purpose behind that and how we can maximize that. Because I think when we study what culture teaches us singleness to be about and why we should be single and what singleness leads to is, I think, completely opposite of what the scripture teaches us. Um, and so, yeah, what what would you say would be the, the purpose, the heart of God behind singleness? Yeah, absolutely. Um in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, Paul is really speaking to this very subject of how Christians who are following Jesus are supposed to make sense out of their singleness, 
yeah. how they're supposed to make sense out of uh, their relationships with their spouse and what their role ought to be, yeah. and uh, and and whether or not they should continue in these marriages, and what are the grounds for determining whether somebody is a likely candidate to, for marriage, and what are the grounds for opting out of a marriage and therefore dissolving it, divorce. Yeah. And Paul, Paul is actually writing within a particular societal and cultural context, like you had pointed pointed out. Corinth was existing in a culture that was under unparalleled distress. I yeah. mean, they, there was a crisis that was taking place. Yeah. You had poverty. Um, you had wars, probably in rumors of wars. You had persecution. Yeah. There was famine. Nero. Um, there were a lot of things that were going on at that time within the context where Paul writing was addressing the advantages and the benefits that come with being single and not entering into marriage. So a lot of times people want to go to First Corinthians chapter 7 as like a go-to verse. See, <laughs> singleness is fine. Yeah. Well, it all depends on what you mean by that, as long as you mean what Paul means. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And so that's why it's important that we don't, you know, read into that anything that Paul never had in view. Yeah. And so the the reason that Paul saw it as fine was because look, it, I mean, it would be very much akin to let's say we need people to head out into the mission field and we need people involved and active bringing the gospel and planting churches in areas like Muslim countries that are closed to Christianity and not hospitable to uh, the gospel. I mean, you preach there it's guaranteed that you're either going to be jailed and or beheaded, yeah, right? You just yeah. have to be prepared to know that that's the case, yeah. right? You shouldn't be surprised. Well, um, should Paul is basically trying to say is, look, should a man with four, five, six kids be the one who goes, leaving his wife and his kids back in the States only to die and yeah. leave a widow with yeah. four to five to six kids? Yeah. Or, should a, or what about a single person? Who goes? So he's trying to compare and contrast. Mm. However unfortunate and however sad both cases will be, in in the other case, you, you have one person who basically left himself. Right? Yeah. He didn't leave behind his spouse. And what he was saying is, since we're not all that certain about what things are going to look like for us tomorrow, yeah, it probably may be a good idea. Uh, where, in whatever condition, verse twenty four, a brother or sister finds themselves in and is called, let him remain with God, right? Yeah. In whatever condition each was called, yeah. there, let him remain with God. In fact, he even goes on to point out in verse 26, I think that in view of the present distress, see, that's where we get this from. Apparently, yeah. there's this present, something going on then and there. It's not yeah. what's going on in America. Yeah. yeah. No, nope. chances are. Uh, none of us are dealing with the kinds of things that they were faced with, right? No yeah. Great Depression, yeah. no World War II. Yeah. Um, we're not dealing with, we may have our issues, but it may have to do with indulgence. It may have to mm. do with uh, more time than we know what to do with. But <laughs> it has nothing to do with what Paul is talking about when he says, in view of the present distress, it is good. Yeah. See, he doesn't say bad. It's good for a person to remain as he is. And we understand in the context He's really talking about singleness. Yeah. Remain as a single person because you would hate to go forward with the entire process of what is required to know that you're a match, get married, ha bring kids into this world, yeah. but not be around 
to not only love your wife and support your wife and provide for your wife and protect your wife and partner with your wife in whatever you thought you were going to be able to do, yeah. but to even be a, be there for your kids to raise them. Yeah. You're better off to be yourself because if you go, I mean, you're you're much you're you're better off leaning over the plate and taking one for the team. Yeah, you know, as a single person than you are for your wife and your children. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. So so that's important to capture that now. Yeah. The single person, like Paul, like Jesus, has the ability to be anxious, as he puts it, about pleasing the Lord. Yeah. And that's really the purpose of singleness, Come on. Yeah. is you have the ability to be undivided, as he uses the language in verse 35, yeah. in your devotion to the Lord. Yeah. Right? There's, just, there's just ways in which you are going to have time and energy and resources and abilities to just up and go for yeah. Jesus yeah. without having to take into account an entire family yeah. that you would probably have to run this by before you considered anything. There are just certain advantages, it goes without mentioning, that come with a single life that aren't necessarily going to be there in the same way once you enter into another stage in life with marriage and with children, yeah. right? Yeah. And so... And so if somebody really is seeing the need to remain single, it's because their primary motivation is to run for, for the Lord in ways that they imagine that they won't be able to were they to bring others into the picture. Yeah. In fact, even Jesus in Matthew 22 pointed out that there are eunuchs. Some are born that way. Yeah. Some are made that way. And others voluntarily choose to be that way. Yeah. And then he says... For the sake of the kingdom. Yeah. Again, he's getting at the same thing, same big idea that Paul has in mind there. For the sake of the kingdom. It's not so that you can um, have all your toys for yourself. It's not so that you can travel and enjoy the world and splurge upon yourself for yourself. It's not, it's not so that you can, um, you know, be directed toward your own interests. No, yeah. so that you could be far more other-centered yeah. and God-centered than you imagine you may not be able to be were you to be with a spouse and with children. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this. Let me just, with what you just said, what would you say? Because I feel like that's the culture that we're a part of. You know, when you think about why we remain single, it's let me get my master's, let me get my doctorate, or I, I want to travel the world, or, you know, I want to pay this debt off first, or it's, it's very, it's self-centered. Um, and although all these things might not necessarily be a bad reason to be single, um, what would you say to a person that has those reasons for remaining single? Okay, I would give those, I would, well, I would, I would what I would do is I would qualify what I, what I was pointing out there. Yeah. Okay. Cause those are actually interestingly, um, some of the reasons that you want would want to have to be single, except it just depends on motive. Motivations are everything. Okay. Yeah. So since we don't have this quote unquote, as Paul puts it, present distress, yeah. is there anything, is there anything in our present life that would be applicable to what was specifically going on during Paul's and Corinth's day. Yes. So how would that passage apply to us would be the question that we yeah. would ask, right? Yeah. So for a single person, for them to feel led of the Lord to remain single and hold off on marriage 
it would have to be for comparable reasons. So maybe there isn't a famine. Perhaps there may not be a war. But what was the point? It was the point that Paul was trying to make were, was that you got basically situations, societal situations, that could play on your inability to take advantage and benefit from marriage and family like you otherwise would be. So yeah. what is that today? Yeah. yeah. Maybe perhaps you, the person listening uh, to this program needs to finish a degree. Like, they want to get married, but they realize that if, if they don't knock out this degree, if they don't prepare themselves in certain ways, that would be a little bit easier as a single person and go forward prematurely for marriage, that could hamper their marriage, and that could make it problematic for them perhaps even to finish uh, their schooling. Uh, maybe the schooling is out of state, out of town, out of the country. Yeah. Perhaps it's the demands that the schooling has on them, like, for example, met the medical field, yeah. or let's say uh, law, or let's say some of these other areas where between the didactic studies and the clinical side of things, you're pretty much out of the house and out of sight for a good chunk of the day each day. Yeah. Therefore, to, to try to bring in a significant other at that time, you're really not going to be able to invest in the relationship. You're really not going to be able to offer that other person yeah. that you're married to the kind of attention um, and affection and time that, that they would like to have as someone married to you. So yeah. you, you, you might do them a service and yourself a service by saying, you know what, let me knock this out. Maybe you need to get a career... Tr uh, track, track drop. Um, mm. Some people could be recovering from addictions. Yeah. So yeah. They're, they're saved, but if the truth be told, they've got a lot of struggles, deep-seated struggles, and they would love to arrive at that place in the season in their life where they could bring another person in, but they feel like it wouldn't be the loving thing to do so right now, at least until they get themselves established, yeah. right? Rather than bring somebody else into this picture as it presently looks. Yeah. Um, perhaps they have a mountain, maybe they finished school, but they have a mountain of debt mm. and they would hate to bring another person into this situation and have to place that burden equally upon them as well. Yeah. And they would love to do as much as they can on their own as a single person to hack away at that debt so that they feel like, okay, now this is a good time to bring, to bring somebody into uh, the picture. Maybe one of the ways they want to do that is by moving back into mom and pop's house, yeah. right? Living minimal, living simply and minimally, yeah. um, getting, on, getting an additional job and doing everything and anything that they can to position themselves as fast as they can uh, for marriage, to be a prospect for, for marriage. For, you know, we, we're talking about singles, but we're assuming young people who've never been married. Yeah. But there are singles who who have been married, yeah. but the spouse died. The mm. spouse uh, died, um, unfortunately, and nobody anticipated it, right? Uh, there are singles because of an unfortunate divorce, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so um, if somebody just died, a spouse died, or a parent just died of theirs, of that single person, they probably are going to need some time to mourn. Yeah, yeah. You, you could see it. So yeah. perhaps... Um, so that would be akin to Paul's version of present distress. Okay. Right? Okay. In, yeah. in view of the present distress, in view of the fact that you have a loved one, either a parent that you've been um, taking care of, right, in the old age, or a spouse yeah. that has just passed away. 
you need to grieve. Mm-hmm. You need to mourn. Yeah. You yeah. need to work through that. Yeah. You, you need to get some healing. Yeah. You, you need to get to a place in your life where you're emotionally stable enough to be able to bring another person into the picture. And that may just be a good idea to remain single. There could be no reason why you should feel guilty about that. Yeah. Perhaps you do have a career, and it's a good career, but the kind of role that you have in that job or in that career requires you to travel unbelievably. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, okay, so you bring somebody into the picture, you're not around. Yeah. Right? So maybe, maybe that's not going to be the case always with that career. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so... Uh, what you probably need to do is put in your time, gain a little bit of seniority, right? Yeah. And position yourself in in another place within that company that affords you the ability to be able to be home at night around yeah. the house more often, yeah. right? Yeah. That would allow you to not only invest in your career, but to equally invest in your marriage and in your relationship. And so all of these and a number of others could be given as examples that could be clear applications in our day and age of of what would be considered a present distress, right? Um, For why a single person would choose to want to remain single, and and it'd actually be a good thing, a wise thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Um, let let me let me ask you this: what What can we do um, as single people that will best help us prepare for marriage? Uh, I think you know we could. I don't think um, singleness is just kind of this like waiting room where you just are. Uh, doing absolutely nothing and you're just kind of sitting around waiting for the person to come. I think we could be doing things within this season that will uh, be investments into uh, our marriages. Uh, but what what would that look like? What would it look like for a single person to, uh, tr- uh, to, to prepare themselves for something like marriage? Yeah, that's a very um, good, good question. And I think, I think there's also another question right along with that. Um, yeah. It's what the church can do as well, because since mm. we're Christians, we have a family. Right? Yeah, yeah. We don't begin to have a family once we get married. Yeah. That's the good news of the gospel, is we, we have a new family. In the mm. new covenant, there's a new family. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and, so, and so Jesus said, this is my mother and my brother and my sister. Not his blood relatives, but do the will of my father, yeah, right? Yeah. So I think that's important. The first thing we can do for ourselves is to remind ourselves that we already have a family. Amen. Right? Yeah. We're not singles. We're people. Mm-hmm. We're human beings. Yeah. Right? Sometimes that term could be used to kind of categorize us, and that could reduce our humanity, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we're image bearers of God, right? My identity is not rooted in my marital status. It's rooted in the fact that I am an image bearer of God, an yeah. equal image bearer of God, a co-heir together with a married person of the grace of life. Yeah. Along with that, I'm, if I'm in Christ, I have everything that I I need. And so, the first thing I would say is, is the, well, that's one. The second thing I would yeah. point out <laughs> would be, a lot of times people think, I really can't grow in any one of these areas until I become married. 
Well, mm. what they need to realize is everything that you would find existing in marriage, all the ingredients that contribute to character development, maturity, growth in godliness, and Christ-likeness yeah. are also found within singleness. Mm. Mm. So th- there's nothing about marriage that makes it hands-off. Yeah. That makes that that makes it inaccessible for anybody else who's not married. Yeah. Right? So what are we talking about? Learning how to grow, learning how to mature, learning how to follow Christ, mm. how to lay one's life down for others. Yeah. How to put the interests of others before one's own. Yeah. How to forgive, how to be patient, how to love, how to extend grace toward others. Yeah. How to look beyond sin. Mm. How to be on mission and make disciples. There's None of that is reserved necessarily for married people. That's so good. Yes, marriage marriage is a vehicle and a tool in God's hands to produce holiness. Yeah. But it's not the only tool in God's hands to produce holiness. Yeah. Right? Otherwise, yeah. a single person would have to wait to become <laughs> married to be able to see those things emerge um, and exist in their, in their lives. Yeah. So what I would say is, a single person should be using this season of their life to devote themselves to God and to others. Mm. Mm. Like when you get married, when you get married, you're basically choosing to give yourself away to another human being. Yeah. And sex is a very vivid and graphic illustration and and picture of that, right? When you're, Engaging in, in, in sex with another person, you're giving yourself away. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so, w- what I would say is, as a single person, you have the ability to do so as well. Jesus was single. Mm-hmm. Paul was single. Yeah. But they gave themselves in different ways. Yeah. Sex, the culture will tell you sex is everything. Yeah. The culture will tell you the way that you can really find yourself, the way that you can really learn how to enjoy life, the way you can really know what all there is to life is by fully giving yourself over to expressing your, your sexual appetite and cravings. Yeah. And that's just a lie. Yeah. Right? That's just a lie. That's very hedonistic, right? Yeah. Uh, Jesus, Jesus says that, that the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve yeah. and to give himself, yeah. give himself yeah. as a ransom for many. He didn't give himself in sex, but he gave himself in every other way. That's so right? good. Yeah. Jesus, Jesus was God, but he was also man. He was the perfectly, he was perfectly fulfilled. He was the most content, most happy, most most joy filled, most satisfied, um, most contented human being on the planet. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he and he modeled for us how one can be so while remaining single and never having had sex. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Uh, Paul Paul the same. And so what I would say is, look, if if you're not sure if you'll ever get married, but it's also a desire of yours to get married, I wouldn't wait to get ma- married to begin to develop and grow in these areas. I would begin laying your life down because after all, that's what you're going to be doing once you get married. Yeah. I would begin learning how to find great joy in laying your life down for others now as a single person. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So one of the ways a single person could grow is by embracing this season of their life however short or long it may be, as a gift, a yeah. good gift yeah. from God. Yeah. That's the first thing. So it's an identity issue. It's a mentality issue. It's a mindset. Yeah. You need to, you, until you see this as a good gift from God, yeah. 
and not as plan B up God's sleeve, where yeah. marriage is plan A, yeah, and not as being JB, where marriage is being varsity, yeah. You'll you'll never mm. be able to enjoy and see as worthwhile everything that singleness has to offer you. That's so you good. have to see it as a good gift from God. Once you're able to do so, then the sky's the limit. You realize, what? Wait a second. My life is not on pause yeah. until yeah. I get married. Yeah. It's yeah. on right now. Yeah. Right? Just like radio show says, we're on. You're on. <laughs> you're on air. You're on air. The mic is live. Yeah. yeah. Like, you're on right now. Tag. You're it. You, you don't need to wait <laughs> That's so until good. you're married before the gun could go off and your feet could come out of the blocks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, you're, you, you're, the moment you came out of your mother's womb, you've had a calling. You've wow. always, I mean, you've had a calling and a purpose on your life before you were even. Come on. <laughs> in your mother's womb. Yeah. Whether, yeah. whether that was going to result in singleness or marriage, it doesn't matter. God's calling is not tied to your marital status. Come on. Yeah. It's tied to the fact that he's your God. Yeah. yeah. And, and you were created after him and yeah. his image and likeness. You see? Yeah. yeah. As Absolutely. far as the church is concerned, I think the church needs to create a culture that values singles. I mm. think we need to preach positively about singleness. Yeah. I mean, when have you heard a positive sermon on singleness? <laughs> uh, <we> Never. <laughs> don't, don't segregate singles. Yeah. Uh, put singles in positions of responsibility. Yeah. Right? Like, like significant positions of responsibility. Have them lead small groups, like groups. Right? Um, have them teach your Sunday school classes. Have them... Um, be involved with planning committees. Yeah. Um, have single, assuming they qualify, assuming they, they demonstrate the, credi- the credentials yeah. and the qualifications for that, right? Yeah. Uh, put singles put singles as leaders on staff. Yeah, yeah. Right? Take a chance. I mean, guard them, watch them, like you would anybody else, but give yeah. them opportunities, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, develop a lay leadership team that either is comprised of singles or includes singles. Start small. Right? Yeah. Um, about them by age outside of the worship service. Maybe 18 to 29, 30 to 37, over 37. And have seminars offered in small groups that kind of target and tackle those sort of situations that are unique to each of these singles, right? The yeah. one is 18 to 29, you know, they're, it's like college and career prep. Yeah. Right? yeah. 30 to 37, you know, they're, it's like, what do you do with a single who thought that they were going to be married by, uh, by the age of 30, but they're not yet, right? Yeah. It's a different ballgame, yeah. different world, over 37. It's a whole another world, right? And you can yeah. do that outside of the worship service, like in classes and uh, during the middle of the week. Uh, provide opportunities to serve together, right? So mm. we live in such an anonymous world today, and I think it's critical for single adults to, to feel known in your church family. And helping people to find friends will help them stay in the church. Yeah. If somebody knows five or more uh, individuals and has meaningful relationships with those individuals, yeah. they're bound to remain connected with that with that community. Yeah. Um, have your single guys in the children's ministry. Yeah. Yeah. Right? I think single guys should wait to have children of their own mm. to start being involved with children. Yeah. That's right. Good. Yeah. Start encouraging them to be there and hello men that's where the single ladies are right? <laughs> that's a you huge know? secret you just uh-huh. gave away right <laughs> yeah you're, you're almost halfway there you got you're working with babies <laughs> you're almost halfway there yeah yeah right um you can have uh singles involved in in different ways in inner city ministries missions uh serving the community together 
is, is only going to build community with each other. Yeah. I think um, you, sh- you should have various kinds of social events, which is also good. Those are ways in which you can help them um, be involved. Um, singles ministry shouldn't just be ministry to singles, though. Come on, yeah. It should be ministry by singles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's go good. And so I think that's that's also important as well. Yeah. Um, there, there are things that young single adults will get up and do together on a Saturday morning that families who are rushing around to soccer practice or football practice or jiu-jitsu practice on Saturday mornings just can't do. Mm-hmm. They're afforded that freedom and that ability. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so I, I would I would say uh, singleness is not a problem to be solved. Yes. That's so good. Marriage not marriage is not the goal of the Christian life. Yeah. Singleness no doubt no doubt is a good gift. Yeah. And you're still you're still significant without a significant other. And in the new creation, we're all going to be single. Yeah, definitely. Uh, as, as we are married to our our groom Christ. Yeah. As the church. Yeah. Yeah. So the fact that I'm single is not only true, it's it's also good and right. Mm. Right, mm, so you're yeah. not single because God is punishing you. Come on, yeah, yeah. Right, so singles, singles need to see, they need to be in this time seeing themselves as persons. Yeah. Before they see themselves as singles. Yeah. There's a there's a negative stereotype out there in the culture, you know, negative stereotypes. The, the crazy cat lady, the forty year old virgin. Yeah. Commitment foe. You know the Seinfeld self-absorbed narcissist. Yeah. And single, you see all throughout Hollywood and, yeah. and sitcoms and films, single people are are portrayed as these buffoons, these losers, these pathetic characters. Yeah. That could only be redeemed from their miserable single state by finally getting married. Like wow. unless they get married, they'll they're always going to have these issues and these flaws. And that's not true. Yeah. But all that all that saying to a single person is there's nothing you can do in this season and your answer your savior is marriage Mm. marriage is not the savior yeah Jesus is the savior come on marriage is an illustration of the savior and his bride the church wow wow that's so good (laughs) man this mic is on fire faster now (laughs) you know Paul Paul himself even said look I've learned the secret of Mm. contentment right in his case he was talking about being found in different contexts where he says look I finally discovered like how to be content when I'm abounding and how to be content when I'm abased in yeah. whatever season I find myself I can do what I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me yeah right yeah so so what, what's the application the big idea whether I'm married or I'm single I can do that through Christ who strengthens me I can do my singleness through Christ who strengthens yeah yeah right yeah I have Christ if yeah. I have him as my treasure, then I'll be able to know how to relate with and how to navigate this season of, of, of singleness, yeah. right? Paul said in Second Corinthians 16, there was a time when we used to regard everyone according to the flesh, Yeah. right? He, he's single, he's married. Mm-hmm. He has family, he doesn't. Mm-hmm. He has kids, he doesn't. He yeah. made it, she didn't, wow. right? Wow. He says he, there was a time we used to regard people according to the flesh but no more yeah. we used to regard Christ according to the flesh but no more yeah. if any man is in Christ yeah. next verse we, we, we know that verse 
Yeah. If any man is in Christ, he's a new creation. The yeah. old has passed away, and the new has come. So we've got to do away with old thinking. Yeah. Wrong thinking, yeah. right? Yeah. Wrong-headed thinking about singleness and marriage, right? We can no longer regard these conversations and these questions and these categories according to the flesh, even though we may have once been guilty of doing so. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. There's a lot of renewing of the mind that needs to take place in order to uh, uh, apply what you just said. Um, and, and you're right. I mean, when you think about, like, even the, the picture uh, that Hollywood has painted for us of what a single person looks like, it's, it's not pretty. It's, you know, um, disturbing at times, you know, and almost uh, offensive, you know. Um, yeah. But yeah, let me, let me, I know, man, we, there's a lot we could say about, I, I wish we had the time for me to just respond to all that you said, but I, I got some more questions for you. Um, let me, let me ask you this as a single person, um, huh, let me, how, how do I word this? Like, uh, how do we, like, what, what, what is it going to take for us or how can we best, um, expect marriage because a lot of the times when, you know, I'll just put myself out there, like as a single person, I think I can over romanticize marriage or I think I could, um, you know, when I think about marriage, it's not necessarily thinking about laying my life down, serving my spouse. It's more so what they could do for me or the feelings I might obtain or the feelings that I might feel or the the experiences that we may have. Um, right. And so sometimes when, when we even as single people think about marriage, it's not really um, rooted in um, in what the Bible has to say about marriage is so so much so what the culture maybe uh, glorifies about uh, a marriage or uh, any type of relationship. How how would you advise a single person to be um, wholesome in their thinking when it comes to what they should expect or what they should long for within a marriage? That's good. That's good. Um, James says that every good and perfect gift comes down from above yeah right yeah from our father of lights yeah so what i would say is no matter what needs to be fixed in our heads in our hearts about maybe wrong unbiblical unhealthy thinking about singleness and marriage yeah we don't want to so make adjustments to where we're thinking now about marriage wrongly yeah no there's nothing wrong about desiring marriage. There's yeah. nothing wrong about seeing it as honorable. Why? Because the Bible does. He who, Proverbs eighteen twenty two. he who finds a wife finds what is good and obtains favor from the Lord. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so there's nothing wrong about that. <laughs> there's a whole conversation that could have been had on how to help men know how to pursue women. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And how, how to develop in that and improve in that area. That's a whole conversation all by itself. Yeah. Right? So there's yeah. there's even something to be said about is there a place to kind of challenge men and to encourage men to be more on top of it. Right? Yeah. Because women have a unique situation because they're on the receiving end. Yes, we live in a day and age where we're finding more and more women pursuing men, but even there it's nowhere near uh, the, the, the way the man is to pursue the woman. And so... In some cases, this is really where the rub is. A lot of the women and their biological clocks are ticking, yeah. and that, that gap is narrowing 
where they know that they're in a position to be able to give birth to babies and yeah. where for the man it's no problem. Yeah. He could enter into older age. For the woman it is. Yeah. And so if men are gonna hold off and you could imagine what that does. You could imagine what that does to our our sisters, right? Yeah. And so that that's critical. I think that's that's also important. So what I would say though is um you want to continue to see marriage the way God sees marriage and yeah. not feel guilty about that. Yeah. Marriage, you should, no matter how long you've been single, you want to continue to see marriage as a good gift from God. Marriage is to be honored among all, Hebrews 13, 4. The one who finds a wife finds what is good, Proverbs 18. It's not good for a man to be alone, even though that includes more than marriage. He yeah. could he could meet the aloneness of the community and yeah. relationship and the body of Christ and the new family, like we pointed out, right? Yeah. But in any case, it applies to marriage, right? Yeah. God said it's not good, so yeah. we want to hold those up, hold those forward. But I think at the end of the day, we want to make sure that our our desire for marriage and our interest in marriage should not be so that that other person can complete me. Mm -hmm. I'm complete in Christ. Come on, yeah. Right? So if I'm trying to enter into marriage because I'm empty or I'm lacking something or something is missing, then that should be an indication to me that I'm not ready. I'm not ready to date and I'm not ready for marriage. Yeah. Right? So you're you're not ready to date and be married if you believe a relationship will make you feel better about yourself. Mm, yeah. You're not ready to date. You're not ready to date and be married if you just got out of a relationship. Right. right? You're not ready to date and be married if you're too young. Like, what are you going to do? Right. Yeah. Let's say if there's an 18-year-old or 19-year-old like, yeah. or 20, you could still be in your parents' household. Uh, do you even have a job? Are you established? Are you in a situation where <laughs> yeah. tomorrow, let's say, all things being equal you can actually go forward to the altar, yeah, right? Yeah. So you want to make sure that you're in the right position to be able to bring another person in and actually do this, right? You're not ready to date and be married if you haven't invested in getting to know yourself. Yeah, right? yeah. Adam knew what God's calling on his life was wow. before Eve came into the picture. He yeah. put him in the garden to till it, to work it, Yeah. right? Yeah. He was already about it. He knew what not to do, don't eat of that fruit, of the knowledge of good and evil, and he knew what to be about, Yeah. right? Yeah. And she came along, yeah. right, as a help meet, right? So you need to spend enough time knowing how to follow Jesus on your own, yeah. how to have a relationship with Jesus on your own before you make it a point to have a relationship with another human being, Yeah. yeah. right? Yeah. And you're not ready to date and be married if you don't feel ready. Like, if there's out if there's uncertainty with you you need to figure out why that is you need mm. to bring in counsel um you need to bring in wise godly men and women into your life yeah who can look at your life with an objective lens and speak into your life and yeah. help you to see that uh, romans 14 says anything that is not of faith is a sin mm-hmm. right let yeah. every man be fully persuaded in yeah. his own mind yeah right but you want to be fully persuaded that this is the direction that God has for you and that God wants to to take your, your life in. Yeah. And at the same time, realize that he or she is not your prize. Mm, Jesus is. That's so good. He or she is not your treasure. Yeah. Jesus is. Mm. Right? Jesus said, unless you're prepared to hate father, mother, spouse, children, and even your own self, 
you're not worthy of me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So we, we cannot have an idolatrous picture and view of marriage yeah. and another significant other as the underlying motivation for why we want to get married. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I would say. That's so good. Man, a lot of gems you shared. Thank you so much. Um, I think my my last question uh, when it comes to um, singleness is, um, do you have any practical uh, steps or practical ways in which we can enjoy the season that we're in to not as, I mean, you've been saying it throughout this whole episode that it, it's... It should be valued. Um, it should be uh, a season in which we prepare ourselves. Um, it's a good gift from God, right? Like all these beautiful truths. But um, is there any way for, for those who are listening and that would think, yeah, I hear you, uh, Pastor Neb, but I, I don't feel that way or I don't, um, I don't resonate with that. Uh, what are some practical steps or practical ways in which one could come and and see these truths that you've been sharing to be uh weighty and to be true in in their own lives yeah that's that's um that's a good question um what i would say is um as it relates to that that question would be um make sure you're a member of the church Mm. Whatever the membership process is for that church, what I would say is go through um, the process of becoming a member of that church. Meaningfully connect to the local body, right? Um, Don't be a Lone Ranger Christian. You've got to be in community. So that's one practical first step I would take. Be a member of a church. And once you're a member of a church, don't just be somebody who warms a seat and attends a service. Get involved in the life of the church. Yeah. How can you serve? Yeah. How can you invite people into your life to discern and identify your gifts, right, so that you can serve the body of Christ, yeah. right? So that's what I would say. Move forward from membership to actually meaningfully serving in the body of Christ. How can you fill a hole? How can you step in the gap? How can you be a presence that's valued in that body? Yeah. Okay? That's what I would say. Yeah. Connect with don't just be with singles. Connect with people who are married and with family. Attend their uh, their kids' birthday parties. Yeah. Um, join and tag along and be a part of the family occasions. Yeah. Um, go to the soccer games, the basketball games, the baseball games of your girlfriend's or your buddy's uh, kids' uh, game or their practices, right? Mm. Be a part of the family. Um, visit the home. Be a part of their family dinners. See what life is like on the day-to-day, right? Be in that space. There's a lot of things you're going to learn, observe, process, take in, and be able to internalize that you won't be able to get to just on a Sunday service, right? So so embed yourself within the already existing families that are around you. The other thing I would say is find out what you're supposed to be doing with your life. Is it school that you need to be wrapping it up? Knock it out. Go after it hard. Yeah. Um, is it a job you're supposed to be applying for or a career track you're supposed to be pursuing? Do it. Right? Yeah. Get yeah. yourself together. Yeah. Right? Um, is there debt in your life and this season of your life that you need to be taking responsibility for? Yeah. Get rid of the debt. Yeah. Right? Do whatever is necessary. Get one, two, three jobs. Yeah. But do what you need to do yeah. to get that out of your out of your way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, um, 
The other thing I would say is uh, meaningfully place yourself as a citizen in your neighborhood, in mm. your community, in your city. Mm. Be a presence, even as a single person. Yeah. Right? Bring value. Bring value to the table. Yeah. Right? Learn how to serve, not just in your church, but also wow. in your community. In wow. other words, don't sit back and think like you can't do anything and you can't be involved in any sort of meaningful way until you're married. Yeah. No. No, you don't. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Live life. Mm. Right? Mm. Live other-centered right now. Wow. Um, yeah. As a single person. Yeah. Date. That's another thing, right? So we, we've seen the hookup, shack up, break up culture. We've seen the friends with benefits uh, culture. We see people just the cohabitation culture. We see that going on and that freaks us out. And so we're hyper intentional. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And so we, we got these creepy dating relationships where <laughs> we're trying to find, we, we won't go out on the date unless we can talk about marriage on the first date. Don't do that. Yeah. Right? Um, have the kind of dates go on in your community, in your churches, where you can break it off and you can still come back to church. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The date, the date ends at the door. Yeah. Um, or perhaps even at the car in the parking lot. Don't even walk to the door. Yeah. Right? Learn how to make sure that you bring her back home holy, just as holy as she was when you first picked her up <laughs> for that night. Yeah. Right. So ha- we need to kind of create and, and provide a, a balanced, robust vision of for singles and for dating, so that they're not freaked out and they're not scared that they're going to do something embarrassing or shameful and crazy that's going to make them have to run away from the church. They they, they don't know how to handle each other and be with each other. So we need to kind of create healthy, non-creepy spaces for them to be able to be with each other. And I think Paul even says in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 2, he says to Timothy, treat the older women as mothers and the younger women as sisters and the younger men as brothers. Yeah. Right? I have conversations with my sister. I hang out with my sister. I've watched, I've gone to movies with my sister. I've um, had meals at restaurants with my sister, yeah. right? Yeah. And there's, I, no one has ever had to sit me down and talk to me about what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. Right. How far is too far? Right. You know, that's a whole other question about sexual relations. How yeah. far is too far, right? Yeah. That's what we ask. We don't know anymore. Yes, we do. You know, in, in, with respect to your sibling, Right? And Paul yeah. says the same thing, right? Just treat. We need, to, we need to really ask God and the Holy Spirit to renew our hearts and our minds toward the sisters, if we're men, and toward the brothers, if we're women, in our churches, and regard one another yeah. the same way and behave toward one another the same way we would toward a, a, a blood relative, a biological brother or sister. Yeah. And I think we, we won't learn this overnight, but we need to begin to create, and this is another practical thing, a culture. Yeah. We need to be able to create yeah. a healthy culture in which singles are create, are given space and the ability to know how to relate with one another. In some of those cases of relating, it'll result in marriage. Mm-hmm. In others of those cases, it will result in knowing that you're not meant for each other. Yeah. But at least you can know you befriended them and you're still a brother or a sister to them. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and to realize that not every dating relationship is going to make it to the altar. It's not going to result in marriage. Yeah. Right? And that's totally fine. But you would not have known that if you didn't date. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, let me let, let me let me ask you this. Like, man, I could talk to you for hours. Uh like <laughs> 
what why is it in Christian culture where we've made it that rule that if you date somebody you got to marry them like and and I, and I think it, it puts so much pressure on men and women to get it right the first time or to get it right the first couple times and it's almost as if in the church if you're you know dating um, it's frowned upon because you're, you're supposed to pray about it and God's supposed to reveal that one person to you and um, you're not supposed to just be all over the place when it comes to like why why do you think we've we've had that culture and what what are kind of the what's the right way to approach dating okay yeah the reason why we have is it has to do with um, our history and the history of the term dating and the history of um, the activity yeah. Right. So, yeah. um, we're, we're guinea pigs. <laughs> mm. I'm afraid to say it, our generation. Yeah. And everyone is learning with us. Um, dating is a modern phenomenon, relatively speaking. That yeah. is, courtship mm. was something that was prior to dating. So, like, say, for example, in the 1910s, 20s, 30s, and, and 40s, mm-hmm. and even, the, even, the, even the, um, up to the 50s, just before uh, the car... Um, the whole modern day revol- uh, you know, reformation, revolution, if you will, and the whole yeah. phenomenon of vehicles that can transport you from place to place forward. Yeah. Um, just before that took place, courtship was a, a way in which if a man, a suitor, was interested in um, a young lady, he would have to approach the family because mm-hmm. she was close to the family and the father saw it as his responsibility uh, to look after and care for his daughter, and she wouldn't be as removed from the home space as a woman typically is these days. And yeah. so she was very close. And so for a man to have access to the woman, he would have to court not only her, but the family, yeah. the father and the mother. And yeah. they would have to evaluate him, assess him, see him, see if he's somebody in her interest or somebody that would be dangerous, right? Yeah. And even if he did succeed with the father, a lot of times you would, they would be chaperoned mm. or it would take place at the home. Yeah. Or even if it took place outside of the home, they wouldn't have transportation because that's, that wasn't a, um, in, in existence, right? Yeah. And so they would have family or the father or the father and the mother nearby at a park or some location where they could still have communication, they can still have their time together and learn to appreciate each other, well, at the same time, at a distance, you would still have the family. So not too much. <laughs> you yeah. could go on, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, well, what happened is once you started having cars, uh, dating was, prior to then, dating did exist, but it was related to prostitution, you see? Mm. It, it, was a, it was a term that was very much associated, you know, in, in that sort of a loose sort of sense. Maybe not prostitution in the way that we see it today. What I mean by that is, look, now a guy has a set of wheels. The the cars have been invented. A a man has an ability to be able to find himself virtually anywhere in town. He has a job, let's say. He's able to purchase uh, flowers, chocolate, let's say, a little gift. He can pick up the woman and take her out from her safety net, her home, away from her family, in his car, into town, right? And here he is. He bought her a meal. He offered her roses. He provided her some chocolate. Yeah. You get you get the point. And now he expects something in return, right? Yeah. Look, I did. I went this far. I put cologne on me. I dressed myself up. <laughs> I took a shower, right? I did all of this for you. 
now what do I get in return? And uh-huh. so a woman could feel almost implicitly obligated to have to at least give something up yeah. as a result of what all he, he chose to do. And no longer do you have the chaperone or the sort of accountability. And so dating kind of took a turn, right? Because And on top of that, women now are afforded the ability to get away from the house even on their own, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, um, they don't even need to wait for a man to take them out of the house. And so things have shifted. And now people had to begin, uh, 50s, 60s, 70s, and onward, to learn how to make sense out of dating in a modern-day world at that time. And just imagine even now where mm. um, courtship worked so long as a woman was young, right? Mm. 18, 19, 20, 21, she's probably still around the house. But what do you do with a woman who's 29, 30, 31? Yeah. Who's got a college degree, maybe even an additional um, upper-level degree, yeah. perhaps even a career, yeah. maybe even a mortgage, a house on her own. Because her parents have died, her father's not around. Perhaps she lives in another state, right? right? So that that whole approach to courtship won't work in this particular world. And so now dating has taken on a whole other scene. So the whole, you know, with Joshua Harris, I kissed dating goodbye in the 1990s, that whole homeschool phenomenon (laughs) and his effort to somehow and he was 20 21 years old when he wrote that book and there were a lot of regrets that he had not with everything that he said in the book but some things that he said in that book because he was young and sometimes with age you know you realize i'd write that again i think i because you know a lot of young people who were hearing it took it in hook line and sinker and they were disillusioned right because it really didn't speak to today's modern world yeah and so yeah. but but it was all with good intentions yeah because we see dating is a lot like hey i'm gonna try this shirt out put it on and see if i like it i don't i'll throw it on the rack right so we wanted to get away from the way the writer culture was dating yeah. and we wanted to make sure we realized even though the bible may not use the word dating we realize every time that kind of a relationship did take place in the Bible, it was always with a view toward the marriage. You yeah, see? Yeah. So it was sincere. It, so that's answering the why yeah. to your question. Yeah. It was sincere. It was it was with good intentions. Yeah. Because dating should always be seen with a view toward marriage. It's yeah. not an end in itself. Yeah. But just because you see it with a view toward marriage doesn't mean that every date will result in marriage. Yeah. And that's the point, you see? Yeah. And yeah. so... I think we need to somehow um, create a way for people to, to not necessarily court in the 1920s, 30s, and 40s, and 50s way, but to date in ways that we, in some of their cases, it'll result in marriage, and others, at least they'll know. But along the way, yeah. they do need to find practical ways, maybe have accountability, maybe yeah. provide have spaces where it's in the open. Maybe not have too much alone time. Yeah. Netflix at 10 p.m. in her apartment <laughs> with nobody around with like the couch may not be the best idea. Yeah. Right? Um, you know, parking of a park at night, backseat of the car may not be so wise. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So yeah. I think we need to exercise practical wisdom yeah. if we're going to want to date without our hearts hurt. Yeah. Yeah. That's in the tough. process. That's so good. That's so good, man. I yeah. think we we need to do a part two now. What do you What do you think? <laughs> there's okay. just, there's okay. so much to cover here. Uh, but thank you for your time. Uh, before we wrap up, do you have any last advice or 
anything in your heart that you want to share with our listeners, any burden that you have, any, anything you just kind of want to get off your chest when it comes to this? I just, I just want to encourage yeah. um, all our singles out there. Just let you know you're loved. Yeah. And uh, your, your identity is in Christ. Yeah. Uh, it's, not, it's not in your marital status. I can't see that enough. Uh, Jesus was single. Paul was single. And they live perfectly fulfilled lives. And yeah. maybe there's some young ladies out there who really wanted to be pursued, but up to now they have not yet been pursued. I just want to let you know Jesus has already pursued you. Wow. He's your ultimate. He's your ultimate pursuer. And yeah. perhaps there is pain. I think we need to create. We're doing pretty good with those um, couples and families and and wives who have struggled with infertility. Yeah. We've learned as a church to evolve and to grow and to know how to help them to mourn and to grieve and to have time and not give them quick, pithy uh, verses mm. to allow them space to be able to kind of process that whole experience, even though they wanted children. Right? Yeah. You know, they got to marriage, but they couldn't get children, right? Yeah. I think we need to also do a better job at being able to uh, give space for single people to, before we quickly tell them now, you, know, you really need to be thinking about this. Yeah. We need to be giving them space to be able to just say what they really feel. Yeah. You know, perhaps they know where to get to, that Christ is it, but they need to kind of work through some of those feelings and emotions. I just want to let them know it's fine, it's all right. Yeah. You're free to do so, and I want you to mm. be able to to do so. And just know that Jesus knew what it was like to not be wanted mm. or to not be pursued. Mm. Jesus knew what it was like to be seen. Wow. He came into this world, yeah. and the world didn't, that he made didn't even know him. Yeah. Yeah. Into his own, and his own didn't even receive him. Yeah. He left all of heaven to a fallen and a sinful world, and that world did not want him. Just yeah. imagine, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and yet he took the risk mm. anyhow. And that's what I would encourage our, our single men is unless you're ready to risk rejection, you're not ready to Come enter on. into it dating relationship and marriage yeah. that's part of the territory yeah it comes with the turf yeah right yeah but jesus took a risk on you and you found him to be altogether lovely yeah. right yeah and but 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 he knew that you could have easily rejected him yeah. perhaps you did before you finally trusted in him how much more in light of that should we be prepared to risk on the women he may be calling us to pursue. Yeah. Even though there may be great fear in our hearts about what could happen. What if they reject me? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I would say in all of this, just just don't awaken love until the right time. Yeah. Yeah. Don't don't awaken love until the right time. And just pursue God. Go hard after God. Put His kingdom first. Yeah. All of these other things are going to be added to you. Yeah. Even if it's a spouse. Even if it's a spouse. Yeah. Wow. So good. So good. Thank you so much, Pastor Nev, for joining us and just sharing a lot of wisdom and insight. Um, like I said, we probably have to do a part two uh, after this. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we appreciate you so much. Uh, you know, It's an honor. Yeah. And so thank you. Um, until next time, everybody, uh, peace and grace. <laughs>